Hey, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you. Today, we welcome back Thomas Jagaeus to our, our show. It's great to hear his opinion on really the future of filmmaking. He has a pretty pretty good understanding of what this platform war is going to be like and what this commoditization of content really plays itself out. And especially at the end, he has a very strong opinion on Peacock. So stay tuned. Welcome to Hollywood Breaks. Everyone right now is so overworked. It's ridiculous, right? Especially on the development side, whether you stream a studio production company, whatever, right? And so many people, this sort of Klondike period, right? And everyone's trying to sell shit to everyone right but, but they don't have time like in the old days to sort of develop right so if you're a streamer you you, you want it packaged and ready to go and then just like if you if you trust the people involved then you say go for it if it's new people well it's more, more difficult um i mean look you see what what happens with a lot of the stuff that has been released especially movies i would say right features on the streamers that haven't been very good because they've just trusted people to, you know, they should be able to deliver because, you know, they cost a lot of money. And um, that's not really the oh, thing. Oh, Thomas, I knew I liked you. I think <laughs> you just the sang tune right there. <laughs> it's such garbage sometimes. It's incredible to me. No, but I mean, but I'll tell you what, it's 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 my it's been it's been my pet peeve for a long time, right? And and I think that's the, the the longest, most interesting discussion that could be had, and I think that it's a, it's um it's an interesting time we're in there, right? Because it's a little bit. Like I heard a, a podcast they talked about diets, right? And, and it was like this fight between a vegan and keto or carnivore, whatever, right? And then you have a scientist in the middle saying, like, guys, we have no idea to know what's the best one until the next, maybe two generations down the line, maybe, because that's how long it takes to see real results of stuff, right? Right now we're in the middle of, you know, who the hell knows, right? That's, that's where we are right now. So this idea of like predicting what's going to happen, this is going to happen, this is like, and how people do it, it just, um, it's a tricky period now. You can look at, see what's going on now, and you're right. Oh my God, I, I can never find anything to watch, literally. No. I have to say, uh, I did watch Red Notice. Oh, so did and, I. Well, oh. and, uh, <laughs> $200 million bucks for what? I know they cost yeah. a lot of money and the shit blew up and everything, but I remember the first 15 minutes of the movie. The rest is like, I think I know things happen well, in the it, travel it's very, places. very and, predictable. Yeah. Oh, very, very predictable. And, but the... Uh, the you could see like the formula that Netflix has is grab the major stars, give them all the money, and then we don't. I don't have no idea who directs these things. The whole idea yeah. of an auteur, an AI director, filmmaker, probably, yeah. oh, yeah. to detail it. But it's not. It, it probably <laughs> is because it's like the the auteur that used to be important. Like who is the director? What is the vision? Who are the producers? Who's the studio? That yeah. none of that part of it is there anymore. It's simply like how fast can we push this stuff out so that you can consume it even faster, right? And that's why I, the math there just never works for me because no matter I I watched it in an hour and a half, it had to take longer than an hour and a half to make that film, right? And they're trying to compete with YouTubers that take an hour and a half to make an hour and a half worth of content. So that <laughs> economy just oh I I, it's I mean it's bizarre and then it's so funny, right? It's, I hadn't seen it. And and I, I you know obviously you get influenced by what people said and what he said, 
So last week or the week before that one, right? And you know that the week on Monday off is going to be the biggest opening ever. It's like, biggest booking ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's right, like, yeah. if you say so, I mean, it, it, it's bizarre, right? And, and every time it happens. And then you look at the other stuff that's on that chart that now comes out and suddenly there's supposed transparency coming out. But no, no, there isn't. Uh, that's not the yeah. point anymore. I mean, I th I think in a strange way, right? I mean, two two big things to look at. I think the two big movements, right? If you if you like, one is um, entertainment, filmed entertainment, and it, whether you, whether it's from you know feature films in a movie theater, it just to stream a TV series, uh, whichever format they go out in. Um, TikTok, whatever, anything, right? Twitch, anything you want to look at, right? It's a growth business now, right? It's become what tech used to be. It's this sort of idea of, yeah. you know, future valuation and the and the pretend valuation that you have now, depending on the, you know, the ratios that you look at, right? That's what it's about right now. It's like people like sort of like, look what's happened. It's interesting to look at them. It's not a, it's not a comparison, I guess, but look at Uber. Right, so what happened this summer? All the prices went up. If you could find a, a, a car, first of all, yeah. anywhere in the world, right? The prices went yeah. up ridiculously. I mean, ridiculous prices. They they killed the marketplace previously. Then they then they locked down the marketplace and then they raised the prices. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then the share prices have gone down as well because the people then like, hang on, and and the whole valuation of Uber was in the future they're going to take over all location based transportation, whether it's with a helicopter, a spaceship, or sending parcels or and now food obviously that still haven't figured out how to make money on right so it's um it comes a point when that doesn't work anymore it, it feels a little bit like we're in the the first dot-com boom right where shit tried out man if, if you're big enough and shout enough and everything um you can do it and and and, and then the, the second piece that would, that i would say as well is like um it's this sort of the brand, rather the cult, right, of either personality or, or a brand is sort of everything, right? I mean, look at Netflix. I saw, a, I saw an interview with Jack Ma from Alibaba. Who knows where he is now, right? But he said something fairly smart. He said, like, um, don't try to be the best immediately. Try to be first with something. And boy, look at Tesla, look at Netflix, look at look at a lot of things that have been successful and, and look at the valuation of Tesla, right? Five times it's it's bigger than five. It used to be like nine of the next car manufacturers, the valuation, right? But they're not gonna be the only one making electric cars and they're gonna be beaten yeah. now when yeah. it comes to the pickup, right? So look, and I you know for sure like the first is like is... a it's like a hero to people. I mean a bit bizarrely <laughs> a hero, right? I mean Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, like the first, the first does kind of create the category. There's some benefit in there. But if you think of even just um, some opportunities that are always exist to evolve a platform, do something different. Um, you know, I think that's why, you know, maybe the disappointment in what we see now in the Disney, in Disney Plus is that they are too much trying to follow the Netflix lead and really giving Netflix too much credit for the, you know, the platform they've made. Sure, they they have more subscribers. They have a very different user base. Um, but Disney trying to keep up with that model, that consumer model, is just 
I feel like it's depleting all the natural resources that they had inside the Disney brand and their evolution of any new content or new quote unquote universe as well. They kind of seem to worry about nowadays is it's going to tire us out. And then that you have, you could consume all of Disney in your lifetime is not something that you really ever wanted to expect to achieve. You wanted Disney to always produce new magic. And yeah, I yeah, think they're, yeah. we're missing that moment right now. But I was going to challenge you a little bit on that one because I think Netflix, the the um, the unique position they're in, right? First of all, they were first, right? They were like, boy, and no one, no one took them serious in the beginning, and people were fighting them. I mean, I remember back at Fox, we weren't even allowed, and that was based sometimes on Rupert Murdoch's sort of, you know, personal sort of uh, aggro he had about people and, and companies, right? Because <laughs> they stole some people from Fox and everything, but. Yeah. But no one took them seriously in the beginning, right? It was this sort of like also ran. It was like, yeah, they will be at the end of the uh, of the life cycle, right? Of, of the value chain that be that, and then it goes to streamer. And now, now it's not right. Now it's moved up to either pole position or second position, right? And no one took that seriously. So they built the brand, and they have, if you look at it, yes, they have a catalog. Obviously, they lost a lot of it because a lot of the the licensed. Um, stuff that they used to have that now gone to the, the TV station or the broadcast trying to be streamers, right? But they still have that, you know, Netflix, the same way like in the UK, for instance, right? A vacuum cleaner is called a Hoover, which is a brand, right? I'm yeah. gonna Hoover. It's like, it's it's one of the brands of the, of the vacuum cleaners, right? But it became so popular, so everything, right? And that's what Netflix became. Good for them in that way. I mean, amazing. And the the sort of all in, you know, burn the ships, like, you know, the old conquistador Cortez thing, like, I'm, I'm just going to go for this. I'm going to spend $20 billion, $20 billion on, on content and, and I'm going to beat everyone at it. I mean, people are catching up. And then you look at the competitors. Look at now Disney, who, if you're not into seeing versions of what you have seen before. I mean, I look at the 20th century studios, as they call them now, right? They sort of, they will make feature films that's going to be for theatrical and whatever, Hulu and whatever. But the stuff that they're doing for Disney Plus is rehashing old IP that no one really cares about. Home Alone, another one. There's been five. The first one was good 31 years ago. <laughs> I, <laughs> Like, and John Hughes, I mean, and it was like a John Hughes heyday. We're like, it's not just a commodity. We already know the story, right? Yeah, why? <laughs> so just reuse and, I mean, it's like, that's not how you start creating um, bigger worlds and stories that actually last, right? You have to do new shit as well. Um, yeah. And that's where the fear <clears throat> is. Now, now, and then again, you look at Netflix who do new stuff, but apart from very few lucky things, right, that just happened without an algorithm. Sorry, was there an algorithm involved in Squid Game or Stranger Things? I just don't see it, yeah. right? That's, it could those not have tested two, the same, right. Those right are now. those two things that just happened because they're like, wow, it just came together, right? Right, don't you think? I mean, I, I can't see someone pitched and then, fed all the data they would have about Korean TV series about, you know, <laughs> slaughter and murder and, and how many people love Battle Royale, you know, the, the, <laughs> the Japanese movie from like the 90s, 
and then put that into a computer and say, this is what we're making. It's like, no, maybe they tested it and stuff afterwards, but the marketing, the marketing on this one happened afterwards, right? Yes. It didn't <laughs> yes. happen before. It created the marketing, right? If you, if you think about it, that's how Netflix operates in a lot of ways. They let the show itself do the marketing, having talked to a lot of people who have worked at Netflix. Yeah. It's really just a, a nonstop. You, you get the tile in shape, you release a trailer, boom, on to the next one. And then it's sort of like the show's job itself, much like it was in theatrical days when you and I were still like in the game on daily. It was yeah. like yeah. the saying was, if the movie worked, that the opening weekend was marketing's job. After that, it was the movie's job. Whereas now, it's basically just the movie's job. The minute it goes on or the show or whatever, and they rely on people to start talking about it. And then it starts popping up in the algorithm. They start pushing it, pushing up front. And if you look at what they're doing with Red Notice... Like there was no promo behind that really at all. I mean, oh, they did their no. Tadam Fest, which was like mm -hmm. basically like a cinema con for Netflix, and oh, they no. had some you know leaks there and some footage. And Ryan and you know Dwayne and um, Gail were out doing their thing, you know. And now they're still doing things with Ryan. He's out. He just did something with Antique Roadshow where he brought the egg from the movie and had the guy like value it. Yeah, but, but he's brilliant like that. That's <laughs> that's, that's what he does. He's like the really fun version of, of yes. you know, really yes. sarcastic version of what Tom Cruise and Will Smith used to do, but but entertaining. Yeah. I mean, entertaining. it's like right, exactly. Oh my god. And that's he's the only thing in Red Notice that, that saves it. Did he bring his gin uh, bottle to the roadshow too? So he could pour he brought some his gin. gin and then he had the then he took a call on the cricket wireless. <laughs> of so course he, he did. He, it was on brand. I mean he's He's sort of a comedic genius, you know, right? It's amazing. It's bizarre. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it seems to be that their model is we market after. Like we yeah. don't really yeah. push it beforehand. We do it after, which is an interesting twist. But most of the time their movies aren't that great, as Tim will say until he's probably blue in the face, because the quality is not what's important to them. It's no. engagement. And a lot of these streamers are starting to do the same thing. When we had Cameron on from Amazon Prime, she said our yeah. goal is to get them into the, to this the Amazon Prime, and then they never leave. We have yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime, we have Amazon Music, we have the Amazon Prime Shopping, we have Amazon Prime Video. We don't want them to leave, and that's what Netflix is doing. We're like, we have all this stuff, you know. We have Red Notice. Oh yeah, there's Red. No oh, don't forget about Squid Game. Oh, the Stranger Things. And I think what Disney is now trying to do with their, you know, throwing gobs of money at all kinds of content is trying to create the same thing. Their challenge is, as we've talked about a, lot, a few podcasts ago is their content. Isn't necessarily broad enough for anyone beyond people who have kids. No, if you go to Disney plus, you have to really? leave Disney plus and go to Hulu, which is a separate. But Hulu is going to be Hulu. I mean, as you noticed, they're trying to destroy Hulu Disney. I mean, that's yes, almost, I mean, literally yes. what they're doing. Because you <laughs> have to think also, again, this is what we talked about last time, right? There's a great big world outside of the US, right? In, in the rest of the world, the, the Disney offering already, right? You have R-rated stuff on it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I guess people are not as afraid in the rest of the world. And also it's economy of scale in a way, right? So Hulu, they're trying to kill. And then you look at Hulu also, They've made a few decent, you know, original programming and everything, but it's overlapping now with, you know, the worst streamer that are out there, which is Peacock, right? 
they're sort of overlapping in content a lot of the stuff so I don't know what NBC are trying to do there either. I mean, literally, no, it's just one of those, so it will yeah. disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at, I think the funniest one, right? And then you look at, and you're right, because the Disney thing is, and also then we talked a little about this, you and I, Keith, I'd be really interested to think what you guys think, because you had a separate episode about this, which is, which is something you sort of, we all looked at from the outside thinking, First four years thinking the magic will has to disappear, right? When Marvel has to disappear. But it's what, what, what Richard said as well, this idea, it's not it's just it's not just superhero movies, it's just it's just movies. And if you look at Endgame and, and um, Guardians of the Galaxy and um, um, Captain Marvel, I mean they're science fiction movies as well, right? Then then yeah. they're pure, I mean not pure, we'll get to that as well, right? But yeah, right. science fiction, they're not just superhero, they're like for science fiction geeks, the great space battles and spaceships and all that shit, right? And, you know, beam me up, Scotty kind of thing, right? And activate the toaster. It's all this, um, <laughs> all that cool stuff as well. But everyone's saying, like, that, that has to run out, right? And, yeah, it's sort of, I don't know how they're going to gonna sort of get it back to the levels it were before. I mean, Endgame was that, that sort of, like, like, really the magnum opus, right? Because you'd had individual characters with their own storyline leading to this massive thing. And then you turn it upside down and then you launch the Eternals with characters. No one knows who they are apart from if you, if you follow, you know, uh, yeah. graphic novels and comic books and everything. And then, then of course people know who they are and what they stand for. And then with marketing that said, what the hell is this about? Right. 57 new characters i think i didn't count really but <laughs> 10 whatever 12 felt like yeah. 57 totally uninteresting fighting yeah. what right and then you get it when you watch the movie but in the marketing uh, and then shang chi i'm sorry I, i'm gonna get and it. major stars i mean they were basically trying to leverage major stars profiles to get you interested in something which is yeah. an, like another well, flopping. one major star, really. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Angelina Jolie. The rest, yeah, of them who's were, not a she hasn't opened a movie in since yeah years know, since well. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, really. Yeah, Tomb Raider, maybe. <laughs> you know? just Tomb Raider. I mean, like she, you know, she has a zeitgeist in yeah. that space of being. Uh, wasn't she in Corolla or not Corolla? But 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 it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? First, when you build and you get to know characters and like them, right? Because they got personality. Uh, quirks and they're interesting and they're flawed. I mean, that was always the interesting thing with Marvel versus DC in the old days, right? You actually had people that really fucking suffered, right? Um, and then the interesting thing with something like Marvel has always been, and I guess Spider Man, they sort of, he was the only one they outed last time, right? And the last movie, they normally don't have dual identities. People know who they are, right? right. It's not like Batman, no one knows that it's Bruce Wayne. It's like, it's only Spider-Man, but even that seems to be, you know, loosening in the side. But but anyway, going back to that one, then to then suddenly do the other way around, right? All these new characters that you don't get to know at all in this movie, with a, with a with sort of stakes that are yeah, big the earth. I mean, we've seen that one before, right? That's gonna destroy. I think I've heard that story. Um, <laughs> So that's an interesting one. In, maybe it was just, and then of course, trying a new director who's only done two films before and sort of can only guess sometimes when people get chosen, right? Because people want to do something 
for now. And like, and not only for now. Well, I, I do feel like Disney does that well, right? They do have a little bit of that auteur part of the filmmaking process as part of their method. I felt like Warner Brothers tries to make that with uh, um, uh, Nolan. Uh, what's his name? Well, Chris Nolan. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I know, like they were trying, like they they would promote the J.J. Abrams and Chris Nolan. Like there yeah. was something like that, opposed to these other platforms you're talking about. Like it's all about basically the stars on the screen. They're trying to, you know, Netflix tries to con- co- to compete with TikTok influencers more than trying to really be a Hollywood studio yeah. and, and promoting the whole whole genre and the whole creative experience. And but then again, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't complain, right? Because Disney Plus and the TV series and everything. They've really done great work in terms of promoting and actually hiring um, to try to balance out things with female directors and actually having people from, you know, culturally associated with the stories that are being told. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. It's the same way like every movie. So it's like you can't expect um, miracles, I guess, to happen just because you're doing something good, right? That doesn't always pay off immediately. Um and the same thing, you look at Shang-Chi, I thought it was like terrible. I mean, just like, it, like it's a Kung Fu movie, right? Like the ones you would have seen in the 80s with slightly better special effects. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, it also goes down to with Marvel, it's, there's only so many different ways. It, they're based on comic books. And it's a very simple storytelling method. Good versus bad. Bad overtakes good. And then good wins over. But the bulk of what makes comic books work is the simplicity of the story. And what worked so genius with the 12, I mean, they took 12 years to build up to Endgame, which was just, as you said, a beautiful magnum opus. And now I think they're struggling with, well, what's our next phase? Like Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals. Why did we have to see those? We understood why we had to see Captain America Civil War. We understood why we had to see Thor 2 Dark World, even though it was terrible. We knew because it was building up to, we knew it was building up, but we have no idea what this is doing. It just feels like now they're like scrambling, just, okay, we need more content, more content. And then you've got the series that they're doing where you had WandaVision, as Tim has mentioned previously, which was kind of a revelation. It was really a cool way to start out. You were confused, like, what is happening here? I was so By the fourth episode, you're like, oh, I like it. I agree. But then you had Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon, which was kind of just like, man, yeah. why do you yeah. exist? It was like, it was, it was like okay. And I never saw Loki. Didn't like, spend, it never Loki. Well, yeah, Loki was a whole nother. That one, I, that one frustrated out. I could go to a whole episode on Loki. I mean, I like Loki. The, the only problem, that's what I get to the next problem with this one as well. It now seems that it's, um, they expect a little bit too much maybe from the audience, right? Because now yes. to introduce the character of Kang the Conqueror, who is in the Marvel Universe, a big villain, right? Sort of like not Thanos-sized, but big villain, right? And smart and very interesting in so many ways. And you sort of had to see Loki to get introduced to that character. And it's like, yeah. really, did I have to? I mean, it's like, why are you expecting so much from everyone? Now, maybe it will work anyway, right? Maybe this stuff will work anyway. And you know what? Give it three years. But I feel like I need a, like a an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of all the Marvel characters now. Like, I don't know why Julie Louise Dreyfus was at the end of Black Widow. I asked my kid, like, wait, what? How did how did Veep show up in the center? Is Veep a crossover? <laughs> 
here? Like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. I'm so lost. I'm, and then why are they doing these mainstream actors and actresses to play these spinoff roles? I'm like, I'm like it's... because that's a good paycheck, Tim. They got to work, <laughs> <know>. you know. <laughs> I know, but it, but for a viewer, I'm confused. I can't keep my show straight. I'm like, everything. Yeah, I know. Like... I hear you. Yep. yep. No, that, yep. I mean that's it. That is absolutely true, right? It's like, but you know what? Good payday and probably fun, right? At the same time, right? It's probably fun, yeah. I don't blame the actors, by the I way. I want to do something. <laughs> I want to do something for my kids, you know. And I, you know, it's just like, but so that's going to be very interesting. Is it more too complicated than going forward? Uh, and now, but you know what? They always have that possibility, right? I think it was on. I think Joel Rogan asked Robert Downey Jr. He's like, "No, you want to come back?" And he's like, well, "I don't know. Should I?" And it's like, "Yeah, you got the time machine now. Just like bring back Iron Man." You know, it happened in the comic. Well, they're going to use that. They that will. Is that's definitely like, going to be used. That's the Hail Mary, man. It's like, bring back everyone. And, and still, they haven't done a good Hulk movie. It's a tricky one to make something of because it's a little bit, you know, one side and it is a great side character. But, you know, who knows? I mean, look, it's been the most amazing thing over the last 10, yeah. 15 years, right? What, they, what they've what they achieved is just incredible. Um and I will see those. But if this revelation would have taken place in the 80s, we'd be inside the Rocky universe. You know what I mean? Like, we'd be like, okay, then Adrian has the, like, you know, like this, this principle of like everything should be a universe. We have to kind of get, get out of that. As much as we thought it was an awesome moment, we have to evolve away from the thought that everything in every world is relevant inside. Keith and I were talking beforehand of kind of what the lesson that Disney learned from Steve Jobs was, you know, they were releasing Tinkerbell 7 and Steve Jobs is, you basically told him like, this is ruining all your good IP. And Pixar was taking the time to make new creative resources. Like we're not going to see up seven, right? No. Or the, but, the, but the products that are projects that Disney's involved in, we see Toy Story 6 or whatever, this Buzz Lightyear thing they're doing now without Tim Allen. Like yeah. they're trying to just, anything that they could touch, they're just breaking it into the smallest pieces possible where I think they could have just finished, you know, with Toy Story or Toy Story 2 or something like that. Yeah. So that I think that the lesson Steve Jobs had taught Disney at one point when he had influence in there was a great moment. And I do believe that the discovery of a universe and buying the Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe was a brilliant move for them. It really did take, take the cinematic experience to a different level. Episodic cinematic experience is pretty fun um, experience. But we are now in a in a situation where we're all consuming we're consuming this all on the same platform, and we don't get yeah. the cinematic part of the cinematic experience. Um, and the filmmakers or the storytellers are just being commoditized down to nothing. Like words on the page, get a good actor, push the crap out the door, yeah, and hope yeah. that gets done. I mean, I. I but, then, but then look at Mandalorian. But look at Mandalorian. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's you know from the the guy, right, to basically kickstarted a whole new world of, he did Iron Man, the first Iron Man, right, and I actually like Mandalorian, I think that's better than in so many, so much more uh, um, satisfying in many ways, I mean, that end scene of episode, sort of the season two of Mandalorian was just like, better than any of the new <laughs> Star Wars movies, it's like for fans alike, it's just like, wow. wow. But that's Jean Favreau, right? They have a filmmaker doing that. They have filmmakers making that. They actually had a series of filmmakers that are contributing yeah. to that. Well, I think Very the other different. thing that made that that was different about that is they took something like, uh, like 
a minor character, albeit a popular character in the Star Wars universe, Boba Fett. Yeah. And they invented this entire, you know, culture and yeah. basically religion around him and yeah. the type of bounty hunter they were. And it was just, that is what we need to see more. We don't need to I see would. more of Buzz Lightyear taking out and then, oh, now we're going to do uh, another one about Woody's uh, evolution. No, just take a, like, give me a small character and build something that's original around that character. If you really need to stay in the universe then do something like Mandalorian where it's sort of like taking again, a minor character and building this really rich mythology around a very minor character. I, that's I where original that's, storytelling yeah. kind of comes in. And that's what they need to do more of. Now I'm a little nervous about the Boba Fett show because it's like, okay, where are you going to go with that? Cause, but now they may I, have had the same mythology. I don't know, but I think that's the way forward for a place like Disney. And it seems to have, I don't that, again. I don't know the story at all. I just from the little I've seen, teaser materials, everything. I get that they are. It's sort of smart because they're using almost like it's almost like a mafia movie, right? It's like the Godfather kind of thing. He's taking over as the head of the family kind of thing, and the the other gangsters are there. Why would you trust you? Blah blah blah. It's like it feels like at least it's a a new spin. It's not just a straightforward. Here's some here's Mandalorian again. It's got another vibe, and, and the Boba Fett character is look. We're getting into details here and everything, but you're right. It's like it, when it's when it's done right, it's amazing. But on top of that, one, I think what is missing is is new stuff as well, right? I mean, really well developed, deeply developed that actually uh, really connects at emotional levels, right? As well, and it's not just the the world building; it's the it's the character building that starts everything, right? The world is secondary to the characters, right? You, you have to you have to care about characters and, and when the story about the people that you sort of either identify with or, or, or not understand or want to understand, then you build the world around it, not the other way around. Yeah, I think that the character development is probably what we buy, our, buy into when we're um, investing in a piece of content or telling our friends about it. It's something that, I mean, you know, literature has always had that appeal to us where we could uh, r recognize a character, want to kind of know more about that character. And anytime an author would give you a deeper piece, think of like the, the James Bond series, like um, that series was always an evolution, a different storyline or Sherlock Holmes series. Like those are series that you could, uh, that a character is developing and it's expressing itself yeah. over time. It's yeah. pretty amazing. And film does have that ability to do that. Um I think it's the exploitation of it is that we're all recognizing Disney wants to Disneyize it, which has some magic to it. And then for some reason it wants to put it in on every product on the planet right after that. And then that secondary market where they commoditize the good stuff that they have, I think is where the burnout often comes from us viewers. Um, and then when we get these strange platforms where we can consume it all and without leaving our house, that, that consumer uh, mechanism in us just um, has has a longer play out or a shorter play out of something that needs to take time to develop. Um, I mean, that's where I think we lose it all as, as fans. And of course, Disney are different than everyone else, right? Because they have a, a, a licensing. Um, but Disney, remember like the big licensing, think about Cars, right? The film that came out and the Pixar one and did okay. And then you look at what much money that made in licensing. Those toy cars is 
enormous, right? I mean, it's billions of dollars of revenue coming in on that one profit, right? So, and then of course you had the theme parks, right? So you need longevity of certain things. If you come in with something new, you have to hope that it's going to live a bit longer so that you can actually make a ride out of it as well, right? Or something that bring people into, you know, get a, a creative idea behind, you know, an experience. A ride is not the right word anymore for it, right? But an experience. So, so that kind of, of, of sort of value chains and life cycle of, of ideas and IP as well, of course, is very different than, than anyone else. So I, I see what's driving it, obviously, especially the new guy, the new Bob, right, is from the theme parks, right? So uh, that may influence um, his thinking as well going forward as well. All right. So before we have to wrap up soon, and I'm um, there's a from, from where, where this, both of you guys sit, you guys have sat inside marketing departments. You understand how the evolution of a, a push works. If you could kind of write a ticket right now, you know, which IP or what type of IP would you want to, you know, promote and that you believe would have long-term appeal? And even if you even have an idea of like, is that long-term appeal like opening up a universe or do you think there's an awesome evolution with what we see consumers doing now that could take advantage of it? Oh, it, you know what? It's like, it's, it's, a, it's more complicated the question in many ways than whether or not what marketing can do. I think that if you look at, when we did talk about, for instance, theatrical, what's going to happen with theatrical, right? It's going to be interesting to see now, first of all, HBO, what are they doing next year, right? When they've, this year was the day and date release and what's happening next year, right? The biggest problem I see in, in the whole thing, apart from obviously the, um, the uh, um, not being able to open movie theaters and then open them with 50 people in them and blah, blah, all this stuff, right? And it still lingers. People still like, do I want to be there kind of thing? And habits die quickly, right? And the biggest issue, I think, has been just the lack of product, right? And when the product has come out, it's been good, but nothing has been amazing. I mean, who knows what's going to happen now with the new Paramount Plus, you know, guys running it and the new person there and everything is Top Gun still going to be a big theatrical yeah. release. You'd hope Ever. so. Yeah. And I wrote, Ever. I must say, so I have to, I should make just, uh, um, just like a little, not like I said so, or that I was smarter. I just looked at all the information that I could find from people, but I wrote articles about this stuff like in April and June last year about what was going to happen and then everything sort of happened because what people, in, I think I wrote in April, there, there may be COVID too coming back, right? And it's like a new strand. And yeah, it sure did, right? So that's why when people say, oh, well, now we're going to open last fall, right? Mm -hmm. And then not then audiences not knowing what's coming out. I have no idea what's coming out. And especially since I don't watch normal television, right? anymore. I haven't done that for six years. I mean, I've, I've, I've cut my cord a long time ago. Not my cord, but the cord. Um, and, and Keith and I, we both know that it's like it, it is broken in as much as you still make a trailer for no one seeing it in a the movie theater, right? And and and, and movie, uh, movie theater visits begets movie theater visits, right? You build a, a habit going back. You're being marketed to the best marketing spot is in a movie theater. It's people the theater, of course, right? Yeah. More stuff. And then there are other ways of doing that. People are having, you know, as you know, um, uh, uh, from Keith, from from the sort of the um, high, um, 
what's it called? High performance? Hypo. High, hypo, hypo group, right? And there's these yeah. great ideas that came out of that one, how to keep audiences and communicate them within the theater and outside as well. And sort of push materials to them and build a relationship with them in a different way. I think it's just been stuck the same way that, that you know, you look at the big, big business of like being script doctors and every movie or whatever is going to be done in exactly the same way, right? It has to start with beat number one from, you know, from the, uh, from, uh, you know, save the cat, that book, right? Beat one, then it goes to the beat two and you have to follow it, right? The only one you really have to look at is movies in terms of learning about structure. One of the best ones is Star Wars and Jaws is another one that's yeah. amazing, right? But it's this idea and then, and then trailers became the same. And it became a lot of time trailer makers, right? The creative who are amazing. Genius is what they can do. I mean, just genius. Some of the best editors, yeah. the period of any sort of medium, right? But it's still then steeped in the same format, right? It's still the same. It's going to start the same. And it's going to be the, the sort of like um, the button and it's all, all this stuff and the song and then the new flash cut that, you know, someone invented and then everyone used for six months. And then also the fact that it has, you have to change it for the medium, right? It has to be a different thing. And the fact that people haven't tried to also add some sort of marketing, advertising acumen to stuff as well, not just take the materials. There's other ways to tell why you should see something. Uh, and then the number two problem with everything is like, how do you reach people with it, right? How do you reach now people with this stuff if um, they're so elusive, right? That's the biggest question now. So we're basically missing the uh, the marketing audience, right? The, mm -hmm. the traditional marketing that has been around, that audience is gone. So the the, yeah. the marketing part of that or the marketing mechanisms we used to use seems to be gone as well. But there are people that are consuming content and to some oh. degree. I think some oh, of them absolutely. are all recognizing or just wrote, they turn on Netflix and whatever's in that first thing, they press the buttons and that's marketing, just JPEGs on the screen, right? Um, but there, if you were to invest, you know, Keith, you and I talk about this, but like, when, if you were to invest in something, where are we going to, where are we going to get the next audience from and where does that hit? Um, are we looking at video game and video game characters? Are we trying to get things out on the metaverse, um, with the evolution of these characters that are happening out there? Is there, is there plugins that we're going to use? I mean, there's going to be an evolution that's going to take place because we know we're at the end of this consumer cycle. We're all burned out. So there's got to be a, a next thing coming. I'll tell you what, what I what I think the smart way, and it's combining a little bit of like, it's, it's sort of current trends and things that have happened and everything, but it's something that I've been interested in my whole life. And so I've been toying around with how to tell this story way before I get into production myself. And World War One for me was such an interesting one because, and, it, and now 1917 came out and it was great, right? But if I was going to invest in something tomorrow, a TV series, right? We sort of global appear, appeal with more of a focus on the US and Europe would be to do a multi um, uh, sort of country culture story leading up to World War One, or just it's just started where you have a group of people in America, we have a group of people in Germany, France, uh, UK, um, America, obviously. And they could be in one of the groups, could be a family, and one of them could be a few brothers, the other one are, are, are 
you're just friends or something signing up and everything then leads into the big sort of conflict between the people that we get to know is actually on the battlefield and, and after, right? So you would do something where you get the best German actors and writers and everything, and it'll be done in German, written in German, and you'll have a smart enough person. I know that Christopher Quarry wants to do a World War One thing, story or whatever. And then you have this, it's almost like if Downton Abbey hadn't happened yet, that would be the That's British version of it, right? <laughs> With the sun going off in, because people are fascinated by the idea of the old royalty and what happened after world war one when then america took over same thing with america where there was so much against the war right that's what you would have then in germany you would have the, the moral conundrum of being someone that well i don't buy into it but it's my country and germany was quite you, you, know, you see there's so many amazing storylines and character lines before you get to the meat of it which is actually then the big drama, the big action on, on the on the on the battlefield. You have sure. to think about it in new formats and stuff that actually really lends itself to how we consume stuff now, rather than oh, I'm going to make a sitcom. Oh, okay, we didn't before. You make another one if it's great, it's great. Or make a movie. Well, yeah, huh. it's a movie, great. But there's so many smarter ways to tell um, stories. Right. That, that's what I would absolutely invest in. And I'm pitching it now. If anyone's listening now, financier. I, I think you did pretty <laughs> I'm good. I'm buying that was it. a pretty good pitch. <laughs> but, but that kind of idea, because I love, I love stuff. And I think I told you last time, it's like one of my favorite things over the last few years on Netflix is uh, Love Robots and whatever it's called. I loved it. But, you know, it's that animated anthology science fiction series, right? That had the episodes are between eight and 17 minutes long. Like perfect, they don't have to be longer, and all of them are so intelligent, so smart that it doesn't have to be more. There's more ideas crammed into those uh, short sort of animation tests kind of thing, right, or like experimental ones than there are in most TV series and, and movies right now. So that's what that I would definitely invest in something like like uh, like like that. That side. I like that idea. And in a way, you're using history as the universe. Like, why do we have to have a universe besides the planet Earth? And history itself goes in so many different directions with so many different characters and subplots. And there's something rooting it in reality, quasi-historical reality, Yeah. Um, that we kind of understand a beginning, middle, and end. Like, they're not going to be in it. You're not going to plug the Eternals at the end of your World War One episodic from some right. next universe or whatever, or some other planet's yeah. universe during that same time period. That's pretty I mean, think, And also, I'll tell you what, just the final point on that one is that when I uh, ran the international production side on, on at Fox, unfortunately, I, I wasn't involved in TV series at that point, which is Obama's features, but the people I talked to, especially in big markets like Germany, and it was amazing to know that people in Germany even didn't know that the first big multinational company or the biggest forceful corporation corporation was from the sort of 900s to the 1300s in Germany called the Hansa and the Hansa was controlling the North Sea and all everything that was in terms of of, of um, sort of trade from Russia and the Scandinavian countries the Baltics to England to Germany and all the way down to the Mediterranean they controlled kings and princes and 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 fiefdoms and everything with money because they controlled infrastructure and delivery of goods and they had their own army and everything 
it's like a real, real uh, Game of Thrones, right? No one's told that story. It's like, why not? Yeah. The biggest war that changed Europe and turned it into what it is now, which is the North and South and East and West and, 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 and put the religions where they are right now was the 30-year war in the 1600s, right? The most dramatic story. Never told. It's like, why not? It's like, this is where you go. This is where you find stuff yeah. where there's so much in it that the characters will come out of it because of so many amazing things that happen and it changed the world. All of these things changed the world. We've done World War II, right? A lot. <laughs> We've done a lot. Vietnam a lot. A lot. We've yeah. done the Iraq War a lot. But it's like this stuff that actually like bigger implications apart from splitting up two parties in America, right? It's like with, you know, certain political things that happen now. That's the stuff I would well, go Spoken like a true European. Because us, we, <laughs> we Americans, like, well, I don't know, we won. And then that's about all we really reconcile. <laughs> it doesn't happen on our homeland. We don't understand all that. They don't really the care. Character right. matter, but then, yeah. And we've learned basically basic stuff in our history books. We don't really know. Uh, very few Americans have taken time to actually engage culture that's just outside of it. Yeah, Downton Abbey, right. But look at that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the most fascinating stuff a lot of the time, the new stuff from Netflix that we're really good at is, is the local language stuff, you know? Because it's a new world. Isn't, isn't a lot of the time storytelling and really powerful storytelling is taking you to another world? It used to be, a, I love that, that sort of like you can actually look at the top 10 movies of all time and in every trailer, there was, welcome, are you ready to go back to the Titanic? You're not in Kansas anymore. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to Earth. It's like all these things were like moving into a new world, right? It's all these sort of like uh, Alice in Wonderland idea of like you're grabbing an audience and you have some character that takes you into a world you've never seen before. A long, long time a long time ago in a galaxy far away. I mean, sorry, can you tell it better than that? But just like, I'm going to tell taking a fucking journey, right? That, That's what it's about. That's why international stuff could be, should be even more interesting, right? Um, I used to, yeah. Well, Thomas, it is good to see your face. I'm glad things are going well for you and you're going to, change the world with uh and this is hopefully this is content that i'm willing to now watch you're not going to sell it out to netflix are you you're going to put it somewhere where <laughs> the, plan, the, plan, the plan is not to do that because we want or put, don't oh, put it on good. peacock either because i don't think i don't even think i have a peacock <laughs> subscription peacock? i mean sorry sorry can i can i tell you the last one you have to go and check this why peacock are in, in trouble right it's this is for me hilarious okay but i just looked just before this one i just looked at so I like science fiction and everything, right? And, and fantasy. And here are the stuff that's on the, um, on the, what comes up as recommended on science fiction. Earthstorm. It's a feature film starring Stephen Baldwin. What? <laughs> Stephen Baldwin? Ro robot overlords. Solar attack. Alias agent. Descent. And that's not the great movie about the girls going out. This is about a mission to Earth's core to stop volcanoes. And then and then to the just added list, the number one movie on that one is a movie called Abduction, starring Scott Adkins. 
Exactly. I mean, what? The wow. They buy like these, the, so like, they're buying all these The lifetime of, of streamers. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, they're buying this sort of like, it's, it's the not B Jurassic movie Park, it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's B movie, movie channel. Park. It's the movie. Exactly. <laughs> It, it's when they do this like five million versions of, of five million dollar versions yeah. of like the two hundred million. It's like, wow, you're in trouble. You just have to like wow. pump shit in. Who's watching that one? I mean, no, no one. Bizarre. No, <laughs> no to one. be clear, that's the point. like two people have watched it. That's why it's the most recommended <laughs> on Peacock. And, and they were trapped on an airplane, and that was the only download they had. They're like, crap. <laughs> I have I have a great a great copy line for them for Peacock. You know, it should, but. For you who are either drunk, over-medicated, or don't give a shit. Peacock. <laughs> right? CC uh, Brian Roberts on that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, <I love> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, oh, we're going to have fun with that one. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. It's good to see your face. We solved it all. Yeah, thank you. Good to see you guys. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate it. <laughs>